Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. In your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, this is going to be the second message in our seven-week series in the book of Proverbs. And this message is titled, Rooted and Branching Out. And as I mentioned earlier, we want to be rooted in the Word of God, and we want to be branching out, right, into a relationship with others and a proper relationship with the world. Um, And so the book of Proverbs is known for giving advice and lots of words of advice. And uh, I heard a, a good piece of advice earlier this week. And that advice was that no matter how nice the hand soap smells, don't leave the bathroom smelling your fingers. Right? That's a good piece of advice. That's just not a good look right there, is it? (laughs) That's a big negative on that. So our principle for today is this. Wise relationships are rooted in our relationship with God. Okay? And so we want to make sure that we are rooted in a relationship with God in order to have wise relationships in our lives. And we ask ourselves the question, are your relationships self-serving or loving? But before we do that, let's get into the context of the scripture very quickly. When and where, this is the same as it was last week, and it won't change throughout, but I will go back over it again. Written about 950 BC, this proverb was. During the golden age of Israel, last week we pointed out how the yellow represents the kingdom that Solomon oversaw during the golden age. And the red represents modern day Israel. As you can see, it was a much more expansive kingdom during Solomon's time. Uh, It was a very prosperous time uh, of prosperity and peace. Okay, And this was about 20 years prior to the division of the kingdom of Israel when God divided the ten northern tribes from the two southern tribes, and then you had Judah, and you had Israel. So everything is good at the time that this proverb was written, and it was written from Israel, and it was written by Solomon. And of course, Solomon was the son of King David and Bathsheba. He had unsurpassed wisdom, and he was the wealthiest of all kings, and he reigned for 40 years, as did his father before him. And the Bible also says that he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were over 1,000. So a very wise man. And people came from all over the world to hear the wisdom of King Solomon. So what's happening in Proverbs 27 and why is it happening? Solomon is teaching us how to be wise in our relationships. And he's doing that to remind us to serve others and to not be self-serving. Okay, so that's where we're at here in Proverbs 27. And what it teaches us is that wise relationships are rooted in our relationship with God because we learn from God, right? In a relationship with God, we learn things like friendly rebuke, wise counsel, and how to understand the world. And so these are qualities of a good friend and qualities of a wise relationship. And this Proverbs 27, it feeds us on how to have wise relationships with people in the world. And it all starts with being rooted in a relationship with the Lord. 
Okay, so we want to, first of all, be rooted in God because being rooted in God produces wise relationships. John 15, 5, Jesus told us this. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Think of what it means to be fully rooted. In Sarasota, that, that what you see is a banyan tree. And there are just roots above the ground and roots everywhere and all these types of branches. Very wild-looking tree that we saw down in Sarasota, Florida. But you can see the many roots. And I think of those roots, and I think about how they branch out and they reach out, and they're looking to put their root down into something that they can hold on to, right? They're holding on for dear life, and they're looking for that good soil. And when they find it, they grow, and they become a very fruitful tree. Now, what does it mean to be well-rooted? Well, it means that you are fully dependent upon whatever you are rooted in. And so if you're rooted in bad soil, then you're not going to grow. But if we're rooted in good soil, then we are going to grow and we are going to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And good soil starts with the Bible and God's word. Over the past summer, uh, we had some new landscape rocks put in and we pulled out a few of the older shrubs and they were really well rooted in and would not come out in order to get them out. Had to get the... Uh, the ATV out, right, and pull, wrap the rope around them and pull those suckers out of the ground because they were really well-rooted in there. And you and I want to be very well-rooted in God. We want to be rooted in the Word. So how do you and I get rooted in God? How do we do that? Well, we have to be rooted in His Word. We have to be in God's Word daily. And then Here's the hard part. We have to trust it. We have to trust God's word. Because remember, the world is throwing all kinds of contradictory advice at you that goes against God's word. And we'll talk a little bit about that more in just a moment. But we need to be rooted in God's word. And we need to get down into the word. And we need to wrap every root in our life around God's word so that we will be very hard to uproot. And one of the encouraging messages of scripture is that when you are rooted in God, you cannot be uprooted from God. Look what it says there on John 10, 28. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Folks, that is a very encouraging message because what that saying is that based upon your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has you right here. Your roots are beginning to grow into the soil of God and nothing can snatch you out of that, okay? Nothing can uproot you from God once you are secure in his hands and your roots are established down and you know the more that you read the scriptures and the more that you begin to trust them and the more that you begin to build a life around them the deeper those roots go 
and the deeper and the harder it is to pull you up out of them okay now it takes a, a maturity in order to read the bible every day it's a discipline and the more mature you become in it the more you begin to center your life around the word and the more deeply rooted you are and the uh, you become into a point where you cannot be uprooted and you know they try the world tries doesn't it the world tries to uproot you you know all throughout history the world has tried to uproot god's people you think about God's people when they were in Egypt, the Israelites, how the Egyptians tried to uproot God's people. You think about the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Medes. And then you think about the Romans, how they all tried to uproot God's people all throughout the course of history. We see God's people moving from place to place, being taken out of their own land into captivity in other lands, but they always find their way back, right? And they be taken away from God. They erect statues and build high places of false gods. But they always find their way back to the true and living God. And now we have Satan in our midst. After us trying to uproot us from the soil of the Lord. Trying to take you away from God's word and godly relationships. But God isn't going to allow it to happen if you remain committed to him. He says, I hold you in my hand and I will not let you go. And no one will snatch you out of the father's hand. Look at what it says there in Proverbs 27, 8. Go to verse 8 in your Bible there. Proverbs 27, look what it says. Like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home you know folks god is our home and when we wander from him we are very vulnerable you think about a bird that nests in a tree they put their nest high up in the tree right so that a dog and a cat can't possibly well sometimes can't get to it right they put it where they think they're going to be safe they build their nest in a place where they think they're going to be able to raise their young in a safe manner but when they wander away from that, we have these birds that are called killdeer, right? They're little birds with long skinny legs. And they like to build their nest in the rocks. They actually really don't build nests. They just kind of lay eggs in the rocks, right? And then when you get too close to them, they put their wings out and they come at you. And then they have this defense mechanism where they act like they've got a broken wing. And they wander away like this and they want you to chase after them so that their babies are protected right but you think about how vulnerable a bird is away from the nest right and it's a that's the perfect analogy for you and i when we stray away from god when we stray away from god we are very vulnerable because god is our home we have to put our trust and our faith in him and he has to become our soil and our source of everything our roots are firmly planted in the soil of god and when they are that then we become this tree that grows like a tree that grows by a brook of water that's roots reach into that water and it's well watered soil and we become a people that are hard to move. We become mighty in the word of God. We have courage. We have faith to, to, 
face any task. We have strength to get through any problem. We have things that we find within ourselves from the word of God and from our relationship with him that we wouldn't have any other way. And that comes from being well-rooted in the word of God. Because being rooted in God, it sustains us spiritually, mentally, and psychologically. Folks, we are living in a society and a culture that is not rooted in God. But they are rooted in the sayings of the world. And the Bible says, don't fall for the fables of the world that are fit for old ladies. Don't fall for those sayings. Get into the scriptures and know what God's word says because it's often quite the opposite of what the world teaches, right? Get into God's word. God possesses wisdom and understanding. Like a bird that wanders from a nest, so is a man who wanders from his own. And when we wander from God, we lack wisdom and we lack understanding and we become very vulnerable we become naive and we become full of folly and God doesn't want that for us you know even in romantic relationships what does he say he says drink water from your own cistern that means don't go out flirting don't go wandering away from the bride of your youth Keep your home here. Drink water from your own cistern. Be content in the relationship that you're in right now. And so we wander from home. There's this movie, Western. It's one of my favorite movies. It's called Lonesome Dove. It's a mini-series. And what these fellas do, they're retired Texas Rangers, and they take cattle from down in South Texas, and they drive them all the way up to Montana. And, of course, along the way, they're fighting Indians, and many of them are dying along the way. And Danny Glover, he's one of the main characters in that, and he's a, uh, he's a helping hand to these retired Texas Rangers. And they're on, on the trail, I think they're maybe in Nebraska, and it's been a hard trip, and many of them have died along the way. And there's a big storm coming in, and many of them haven't drank any water. They haven't found a river for many, many miles, and the cattle are thirsty, and the man's lips are drying out, and he looks at the captain, and he says, it's not good for a man to wander away from his home. And I remember that part, and it's not good for us to wander away from our home. Where is our home? Our home is with God. God is our creator God is preparing a place for us in the future. He is where we belong. And when we wander and stray from him, we die. Proverbs 21.16 says this, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. There is no life apart from God and there is no life apart from Jesus Christ. There simply isn't. And so to have good relationships, we must be rooted in God. And, we, and when we're rooted in God, we are able to branch out to others. So the second point is this. The Lord leads us to wise relationships with people. 
God does that because relationships are a gift from God. So wise relationships are centered around God. And if we have trust in God, then we can have trust in him to manage those relationships. And we don't have to be a micromanager of those relationships, right? You see a lot of jealousy at times. It comes into relationships because we try to micromanage or we try to think about what the other person might be thinking or doing and we try to guard our hearts. And we don't have to do that if we trust God to manage the relationship. We do what we do and the other person does what they do and we're not responsible for what other people do. We're only responsible for what we do and so the pressure can be taken off of us to not manage the other person in a relationship, okay? But we trust God to manage that relationship. And so the scriptures make it clear that in Proverbs 27 here, we want to be the type of friend who is there for people. Let's go into the Bible and see what it says. Let's go to Proverbs 27 and verse 5. It says this, Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Verse six, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Verse nine, oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. And verse 10, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Each one of those pres uh, verses speak about the ministry of presence, being a friend who is there, being someone that can be depended upon in a time of need, in a time of trouble for a neighbor or a friend or another person that you know. And part of being there for a friend, being there is meaning that you care, right? And so we want to be the type of people that care. And we can do that by being there. Now, you see on the screen there, there's a picture of a knife and there's a sharpener. And I have that similar kind of set up at the house there and I'm always having to sharpen my knives because I got very cheap knives and so they need sharpening quite often and if we're not in the word of God we're very cheap and we get dull very easily and we need sharpening much more than a lot of other people so we need to be in the word of God but if I were to take that sharpener and I were to take that knife and I were to set them on the table next to each other nothing would happen right I have to take that blade and I have to strike it against that sharpener in order to get that blade sharp. And the Proverbs teach us the same concept, 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. And what that means is this. Um, a good friend is a friend that you can have that can speak truth into your life. Now, oftentimes, we have to be able to give permission to someone to speak truth into our life. And this is not something that comes uh, when you first meet someone. It takes years of establishing a relationship in order to be able to speak truth in life and for that person to be able to accept it and apply it. 
Uh, we live in a very offensive culture today. Uh, when you try to speak truth in some people's lives, it's oftentimes can be the end of a relationship or they become very offended and the explosive temper that they have, uh, you know, they just can't handle being told that they're wrong about something or third way of doing things is not a, a proper way. Uh, just look at the results that you have gotten. You know, there's some people that we know that have very messed up lives. And yet they still insist that their way is the right way, right? And no matter what you say to them, you're never going to be right. You're always going to be wrong. And so, you know, a wise relationship on our part is being able to give people permission to speak into our lives and for us to humble ourselves and accept that. You know, so, you know what you're saying? Yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm wrong about this point. I'm wrong. Or, you know, I didn't see it that way. And so these types of relationships are wise relationships. And we need people to speak truth into our life. We need people to give us wise counsel. We need people to sharpen us. Because when two people are able to have a relationship like that, you're able to sharpen each other and your wits are better. And you're more, uh, you're wiser and you're more in tune with being able to grow and to develop and to become a more mature person and a more mature Christian. And that's what we want. We want to be the type of friend who is there, but also the type of friend who cares. And this is a type of friend that Job had. And that friend's name was Eliaphaz, right? You remember what happened with Job. Job went through one of the greatest ordeals in human history. Job, he had a lot. He had uh, many children. He had wealth. Um, but he lost it all, right? And then he was stricken with poor health. Well, Eliaphaz came alongside him and he said, hey, you know, and Job was getting very distraught and he started to ask a lot of questions of God and Eliaphaz reminded him of this. He said, hey, don't deny the discipline of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord is a good thing and the Lord disciplines those who he loves and they also went on to remind Job it's like hey you praise God and you accept God for the good things in your life don't forget to praise him for the troubles in your life that is very contradictory to the wisdom of the world right the wisdom of God is that we praise him for the troubles because what do those troubles do they do that. They sharpen you. They sharpen your blade. And we don't want those troubles, do we? Do you think that blade is thinking, no, please don't take more metal off of my edge. Oh, I want to hang on to that. No. He pulls it across that file and it takes metal off that blade, but it's sharp. And then what can it do? It can slice a tomato without squishing it, the seeds out the ends, right? You can slice that tomato whew, nice and beautifully. But you can't do that unless you're sharp. You and I can't be useful people and mature people and fruitful for the kingdom of God unless we're sharpened. And God uses difficulties to do that. So don't forget tonight to praise God for the difficult situations in your life that are making you 
a better person and a better friend for someone else that you can share your experiences with. You all know Christopher Reeve, right? He was Superman in the movies. Uh, a very good-looking, strapping, strong man. Uh, he had an unfortunate incident. He liked to ride horses, and he flipped over his horse head first and broke, landed on his head and broke his neck and became paralyzed for several years. Well, at the beginning of this incident, he questioned whether or not he should even remain alive. Uh, he didn't feel useful. And uh, he even said to his wife, it, you know, I don't know what good I am here in this condition. Uh, there's nothing I can offer. You know, it was a sad story. That we all looked at him as Superman, and now here he is in this vulnerable position. And so he was in the hospital realizing that he was paralyzed from the neck down, unable to do any of the things that he loved anymore. And he had a friend, and this friend came in dressed up in his doctor suit, speaking in a Russian dialect, okay? And it ended up being his good friend, Robin Williams, okay? Now, they went to school at Juilliard in New York together, acting school. And so Robin Williams comes into the uh, room there where Christopher Reeve is laying, and Christopher Reeve is down on his luck, and he's dressed up as a doctor, and he's speaking Russian, and he's making all these funny gestures, and he goes to Christopher Reeve, and he's like, you need to learn to laugh again. You need to learn to laugh. And you need to learn to accept this is who you are and you've got to make the best of it now going forward. Now these two had a long, fruitful relationship, right? But those words sparked something inside Christopher Reeve that made him want to carry on in his life, in the condition that he was in. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. And we need these types of relationships in our life. Now, being rooted in a relationship with God gives us not only uh, the ability to have wise relationships with people, but it gives us a proper understanding of the world. God leads us to a wise relationship with the world, okay? Let's look at Proverbs 27 and verse 24. For riches are not forever, nor does a woman, in, a woman, nor, <laughs> nor does a crown endure to all generations. I'm losing my eyesight, folks, in case you didn't know classes may be in my near future riches are not forever nor does a crown endure to all generations the world is passing away and we are in a temporary situation and folks we need to understand that the world is passing away and that our identity is not tied up in our circumstances but our identity is in Christ because we trust him. He has a glorious home for us in the heavens and the situations that we have here on earth are temporary. This is a good perspective to have because it's true and it's contradictory to the world, right? The world tries to teach our young people that through recycling plastic and getting rid of fossil fuels, that the world is going to somehow regenerate and we're going to save it. 
well, we're not going to save the earth because the earth is dying. Okay? The biblical point of view is the earth is dying. And the earth will be remade. The heavens and the earth will be made new. I just want to tell you, and I want to relieve all of the anxiety that the culture is given to our youth. Recycling plastic can be a good thing. I'm not saying don't do it. But you're not going to save the earth doing it. You're not. Okay? God is going to remake the earth. God is going to remake the heavens. The heavens and the earth, the earth is coming to an end. It is dying. Sin is killing the earth. This is a proper relationship. As odd as it may sound, this is a proper perspective to have with the world because the world is not your god the earth is not your god you are not here to save the sun and the moon you are incapable of doing it and driving an electric car and recycling your plastics isn't going to do it it doesn't make you more spiritual i'm not saying those are bad things it's okay to want to take care of the environment please don't get me wrong on that well, Nick doesn't like the, uh, being environmentally friendly. That's not true. I do. We need clean air. We need clean water, right? We'd be good stewards of the earth. But what I'm saying is that is not your God. Your God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is in control of what happens in heaven and on earth. And he will remake the heavens and the earth. This is the perspective that the Bible gives us, and this is the wisdom he gives us. And you say, well, Nick, well, what does that matter? How does that help me have a good relationship with the world? Because you have an understanding that there's a hope and there's a future. Look, you're spinning, we'll be spinning our wheels if we follow the advice of the world and do all the crazy and weird things that they're telling us we need to do. We don't have the capability to save a dying world. And we don't need to, and we don't want to. Because God is going to make it into something that's better. And that's going to last and be sustainable for all eternity. And so we don't need to get bogged down in that. We've got bigger fish to fry, like our lost friends and family. Okay? That's what we are to be concerned about. Go out into the world and share the gospel and make disciples, right? That's what our commission is. That's what we are to focus on. And then we have to remember how the world treats God. And we need to remember this. Why? Because the world killed God. God came in the flesh to dwell among people. And what did the world do to him? They killed him. Folks, this is what the world does, the culture does. This is what people who are dying in their sins do. They take righteous people, they take righteous things, and they can't handle it, and it's convicting to them, and so they want to destroy it and get rid of it so they don't have to listen to it anymore. They want to silence those voices, and they want to silence that man. And they silenced Jesus, so they thought. They took him, and they put him on the cross, and they said, we don't need to listen to this no more. We don't need forgiveness of our sins. 
And we need to remember that because when you come up against friction from the world or confrontation, you can understand Jesus went through this. I'm going to have to go through this too. Now, if you're not facing any kind of confrontation in your family or your friends or the world, you might need to ask yourself the question, how strong is my faith? Because you're going to run up against some sort of confrontation. You can't just go along with the world. Look, the Bible says a friend of the world is an enemy to God. Okay? A friend of the world is an enemy to, the God, is to God. All right? And so what God is looking for is God is looking for people who are deeply rooted in his word. People who are going to make the changes in their lives necessary to get their roots down into that soil. And to not just go along with the world and be friendly with the world. Because you're not changing anybody's heart by going along with what they do or say. Now you don't have to be cause so much friction that nobody likes you, but you do have to stand on biblical principles. And you have to live your life guided by the word of God. That's what we're called to do, right? John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Over in Illinois, they've got what's called the Satan Club in a school. And the Satan Club goes to schools and they look for what schools have the Good News Club in them. And so they say, well, we need to offer a contrary point of view. And so they've established the Satan Club. And in Illinois, they've allowed the Satan Club into the school as a uh, contrary to the Good News Club. Okay. This is the way of the world. This is what the world tries to do. And, and some people say, wow, how could somebody do that? Because the world is lost and the world is dying. The world's natural viewpoint is, that, is to be with Satan. But he disguises himself and he distorts himself and he poses as an angel of light. And so we see these things as okay but Satan is involved in them, and they're not okay because they're taking us away from God. They're taking us away from the ways of the world, and good people can't see that because they're not rooted in the Scriptures. They're just going along with the sayings of the world and with, their, and with what they're being taught, but they're not in here, so they don't even know. They don't even know. They think it's okay. They think it's good. It feels good. Man, it feels great. We're doing a good thing here. No, you're not. You're working for the enemy, and you don't even know it. You're taken. You're swindled. He's got you, right? And so we don't want to be those type of people. We want to be rooted in in the Lord and we want to have wise relationships and we want to have the proper perspective of the world and know that we can expect con contention and confrontation because of who we are. God said he has taken us out of the world, taken us out of darkness into light, taken us out of death and into life, right? 
God has done that for us. He has removed all decay from us. He has taken us. He has planted us in his word. He has planted us in his love. And our roots are reaching deep and spreading out. And he is going to use us for his kingdom. Are you ready to be used for the kingdom of God? Are you ready to build wise relationships? Are you ready to have a biblical perspective on a, and a viewpoint of the world? Then set your roots in the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you that you have given us the wisdom of your word. Lord, I know that it's a tricky thing talking about the wisdom of the Bible because it so contradicts the ways of the world. And so many people are scared to leave their grip that they have on the world. What will friends think? What will family think if I go all in for Jesus? Will I be one of the religious weirdos? Will I be one of those people who in my house they talk about don't be like that person? Well, it requires making that kind of a decision for yourself to really understand what it means to have a relationship with God, to have your mind renewed, to see God working in your life that you've never seen before, to be able to gain a perspective, to have the assurance of his salvation penetrate your heart so deeply that a lot of your fears are resolved and go away. This is what God wants for us. God wants us to step out, to plant our roots in his Bible, in his word, and to trust him. Trust him with our relationships and to trust him to give us a proper perspective on things. We want to be the type of people who are not shifted and swayed by the false winds of doctrine that the world throws our way. We want to be steady and stable in the word of God. And my fear is that we don't have enough people reading the word of God in our culture, in our country. And so we don't know what wisdom is and we will be led astray like sheep to the slaughter. We've got to get back to the Bible and we've got to get into God's word. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone here today that's never surrendered their heart and humbled themselves to the name above all names, Jesus Christ, Father, let today be the day of salvation. Perhaps you're wanting a relationship with Christ and you don't know how. You can simply pray this prayer. Lord, I want you to come into my life and into my heart. I want you to lead me and to guide me. I believe you are God's only son and I believe you went to the cross to die for my sins, that you were placed in a tomb and that you rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Give me a new heart. Lead me and give me hope pray this in Jesus name and father we do thank you that you have given us the wisdom to see past the works of the devil in the ways of this world father I pray that you would strengthen us day by day giving us our daily bread 
Father, we thank you always in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.